0: You're watching The Sports
1: Objective, the podcast for Pirates.
0: You're watching Pirate Breakdown with Sutton Young. Join Sutton every Wednesday night on The Sports Objective as he talks East Carolina football. Here's Sutton. Thursday, but you know what? It's still a great day for Pirate Breakdown. Glad to have you with us here on week three of Pirate Breakdown. I'm Sutton Young. and joined tonight by the sports of Jackal's own Bubba Rosenbaum. Bubba, how you doing, my man?
1: I'm doing well, Sutton. Hope you are.
0: Doing pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I think we also can say that we had a pretty good performance by the Pirates last Saturday.
1: No doubt. I mean, you see a 39-21 victory. You'll take that any time. Um, there are definitely things to clean up, you know, specifically some of the zone coverage uh, that the Pirates uh, didn't play so well in allowing a 200-yard receiver in um, Ollie Jennings. And uh, he had, uh, you know, uh, what, about 65 or 70% of the Monarchs' offense yeah. as they only had about 280 or 90 yards in the game. Uh, so that's something that I know Blake Carroll and uh, Coach Houston definitely want to get cleaned up. But uh, outside of that, you know, and also some woes with the PAT field goal team, uh, I know we'll dive into that more later on. There was a lot more uh, positive than there was negative.
0: Oh, no doubt. And, and something I want to mention too, real quick is uh, I mean, obviously, Virginia Tech, they uh, had an embarrassing way to start their year with the old Dominion. They beat. Boston College, as we all know, was a bowl team last year, the team that was supposed to play us. And uh, VT beat them in all three phases. Uh, so, frankly, I think that makes our win against Old Dominion better and, obviously, Old Dominion's win against Virginia Tech better.
1: No doubt. Uh, yeah, I was certainly keeping an eye on that uh, Virginia Tech game against Boston College on um, them coming out and and uh, defeating the Eagles, I think it was 27-10, uh, and yep. Coach Price a home opener last week at uh, Lane Stadium. But um, definitely had to be encouraged. Um, Like Coach Houston said, uh, definitely those things that you need to get cleaned up. And, you know, he he wanted to – he would have liked to, instead of 39-21, you know, have seen 46-14 or something of that nature. But uh, a lot more good than bad. And, you know, plenty of reason to be encouraged moving forward.
0: I agree with that. Though. Something that has stood out to me the last two weeks or two games is it's been the same thing. We just we have not been able to really get a groove in the first half. I mean, you look at the points we've scored in the first half compared to the second half. That's something, I mean, yes, the Old Dominion one was good, but moving forward, if we're going to beat teams like UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, I mean, not like even BYU, we have to play better in the first half.
1: We do. And, um, you know, kind of on the other side of that, uh, after struggling to run the ball in both of those first two games in the first half, you know, on, on the bright side, we, we ended up nearly uh, running for 300 yards on what two seventy, two eighty, And he had Keaton with the 81 yarder and I uh, sure that kind of distorts things, but you, you'll take all those that you can get. Uh, but, um, your point is definitely accurate and we need to run the ball with more consistency. And I think you saw that in the second half, not only out of Keaton, but Rajay Harris had the touchdown run down the left corner of the end zone there in front of the Murphy, excuse me, out of the Murphy center. And then, um, and not only that, but you saw more four or five, six, seven yard carries as opposed to just two or three yard carries
0: no, absolutely. Though uh, something definitely dive in, though dive into rather, is something that we've seen not really go our way for two weeks. I mean, it didn't really hurt us last week, but it's the performance of the special teams.
1: Certainly, uh, I, I already referenced the uh, PAT field goal. It was well documented. The NC State game uh, with the game-winning field goal uh, that went wide right. And then also the PAT and really the whole operation was off that day, you know. Be it, you know, I I really don't think there was necessarily a bad snap that day. Uh, can't recall for sure, but um, you know, there was one hold, you know, where the laces weren't out. Um, obviously the, um, the issues there with uh, the kick and and then also uh, perhaps the protection, but the protection was the primary, if not sole culprit culprit Uh, a week ago uh, against old dominion on those two blocks down in the boneyard end of the field uh, you you had on the first one it was right in front of me you saw the the old dominion rusher you know Mm -hmm. just go untouched and basically (laughs) i thought for a second i was like he's gonna have to slow down or he's gonna run past it so um, definitely a lot to clean up there and we have to get that figured out because we're going to be in close ball games and if we're not careful, it's gonna gonna come back to bite us like it did in the NC State game. And then on the the field goal that Owen did make, uh, we were very fortunate that that was not blocked because it was kicked extremely low. I know it was the field may have been a little wet. Uh, I didn't go back and look to see if maybe he slipped at all, but uh, that ball was kicked. I mean, I when I say extremely low, I'm talking about. Shoulder level. I don't know how it didn't get blocked, but fortunately, it did not.
0: Yeah, we were very fortunate there. And something I was—I was watching all the NFL games on Sunday. And uh, the Cincinnati-Pittsburgh game. That game, I saw a kick. Uh, it was uh, the Bengals kicker. He's, I mean, he's a decent kicker, but one of his kicks, it was laces—uh, laces uh, Lace is facing him, and he missed it wide left. So I'm thinking, you know, I mean, I knew that a lot of people last week were just upset with Owen, but you have to think, like, the snap makes the difference. It really does because it doesn't matter how good of a kicker you are. I mean, you, I, I saw professionals kick, professional kickers do it, too. I mean, if those laces are facing you, you're in trouble. Now, luckily, we didn't have that on Saturday, but, I mean, we got to avoid the block kicks.
1: Yeah, and as I already mentioned, you know, snap, hold, kick, protection – everything has been a bit off at one time or another, and know some combination of those at other times, and I saw that kick that you mentioned with the Cincinnati Bengals and Pittsburgh Steelers, and, yeah, it was a high snap, and then the timing was thrown off, and, you know, he hooked it. So, um, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, we're not ticking many field goals this week. Hopefully, we're scoring touchdowns, but, Hopefully, after we have a lead, maybe Owen can get a couple attempts, and if nothing else, hopefully he'll be kicking six or seven, if not more, PATs, and we can have all those you know, go seamlessly.
0: I agree. Let's, uh, let's switch gears now to uh, third down offense and defense from the Pirates. I was, I was actually pretty pleased with the Pirates on both sides on third down.
1: Yeah, and the, the Pirates are in the top 25 nationally in both of those statistics right now. You know, third down offense, the Pirates are, are ranking, I think it's 18th, no, or no, 24th nationally, and uh, they're converting at a 53% clip, which is a, about a 15 to 18% improvement from a season ago. And then last year, they had to rely on so many fourth down conversions. And then defensively, uh, opponents are converting – um, You know, only 24%, which is excellent, and uh, that ranks 18th nationally. And then uh, the rushing defense has also been stellar uh, so far, small sample size through just two games, but um, that also ranks very highly nationally, 16th, 74 yards per game.
0: No doubt about it. Uh, let's talk, too, about the offense. I thought Holton looked pretty decent. I mean, the receiver's. I mean, it, it, it's hard for the receivers to have a decent game with the conditions that they were in. But, I mean, I, I was pleased with how the receivers did, too.
1: No doubt. Uh, Holton looks very comfortable and probably the most comfortable I've ever seen him look. in the passing game, when we weren't able to run the football against NC State, uh, they came through and gave us a chance to win the game. Um, you know, after having drops in the first half of that one, uh, we... Saw guys step up in the second half and make plays. And last week, Old Dominion did a good job of limiting C.J. Johnson. But then you had Jalen Johnson, nine catches for 93 yards. And you also had Zay Winstead have another solid game, uh, five or six catches. And he now has 11 catches in his young pirate career. Uh, So those guys are giving us exactly what we would have hoped after we plucked them from the transfer portal from – from uh, Georgia and Toledo, respectively, and, um, you know, they, in addition to uh, the plays they've made, uh, Shane Calhoun, Ryan Jones have been solid, as you would expect, and we we have a nice variety of options there, and this week, Josiah Hatfield will be entered back into the mix.
0: That's definitely going to be a big, big piece for the Pirates, I mean, you work with this team now, I mean, it's a good team, but with uh with Hatfield back, it just makes the team even better.
1: It really does. Uh, you know, uh, taking a look at Josiah, uh, he's the guy that has never really been able to do it with consistency, but he has some of the top speed on the team. You know, some players have even mentioned him in the same breath with Keaton Mitchell and, you know, some of the faster players on this team and, Obviously, it's well-documented you know, how fast Keaton is and the, the tweets on social media you know, as far as Keaton uh, running 22 miles per hour on that 81-yard touchdown run mm-hmm. against Old Dominion. Um, but Josiah, uh, I think he's caught something like 35 or 40 balls in his career. Uh, when I think of Josiah Hatfield, I think of him getting the ball on reverses and in the rounds, maybe some jet sweeps at times. And then also I think of the, the big – play he had on a post route against SMU back in 2020 or maybe no it was 2019 and down there at SMU and then also I think of the play he had last year when Tyler Sneed hit him in stride on the first play from scrimmage uh, for that 75-yard touchdown against the Gamecocks. Mm -hmm. One of
0: those plays last year that there are only, I mean, obviously, I was at like all the home games last year, and that that was uh, that was one of the plays that obviously sticks out to me. I mean, I, I just have a feeling that we're going to get a lot from Atfield this year. Yep,
1: yeah, it's going to be going to be interesting to um, to see how Josiah performs. He certainly has the potential, and uh, with the way the passing game has been clicking. Um, you know, he was – he's been present, um, you know, practice and you know, took part in the, the scrimmages and so forth. He was just ineligible um, for those first couple games. But it's great to have him back and just one more weapon that Holton Aylers has at his disposal.
0: Oh, no doubt. Let's switch gears, Bubba, to the conference. There's some pretty big games around the conference this week. I mean, obviously, uh, USF has taken on four of that main to be honest, Bubba, is that really worth talking about. Florida lost to Kentucky. I mean, they're a decent team, but you look at South Florida, and frankly, they put themselves at the doormat at the conference.
1: No doubt. Um, they struggled with Howard for a while and then ended up winning by at least three or four touchdowns, but, but yeah, that was a pretty alarming score when I looked. I think it was right before halftime last week in, in that game down in Tampa, and the Bulls were struggling with Howard, and and um, yeah, going on the road to the swamp, Florida, coming off a loss to Kentucky. You know, looking to uh, get some things figured out before they have a big game uh, up in Knoxville against Tennessee, and um, looking to avoid going 0-2 in SEC play. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think it'll be pretty for the Bulls over in Gainesville.
0: No, there's no doubt. It's going to be a game where I think that Bulls fans are going to watch. First quarter, and they're going to be down by probably three touchdowns or so, and then they're going to change the channel. It's just it doesn't look very promising for South Florida right now. And Jeff Scott, I mean, he, he seems like a great guy. He did wonders at Clemson, but he's just not really translating right now at USF.
1: Yeah, and definitely very much still a work in progress, and it'll be interesting to see how patient uh, – they will be with Coach Scott. Last year, it seemed as though they were making some progress. If you recall, coming into that game in Greenville, um, that was two teams that were really, you know, kind of at a at a crossroads on their season. Um, and that may be a bit of a strong term, but you know, both teams were right there around the three and four mark or something like that. And then the Pirates really w- went on a run to close the season and finished seven and five. Meanwhile, the Bulls went the opposite direction.
0: No, no doubt. And uh, it, it just, it I'm not saying that that game for the Bulls really was the turning point, but they, they have been going downhill for a while, even under uh, Charlie Strong. So it just doesn't seem like it's going to be fixed. But uh, another new coach in the American Athletic Conference over at SMU, they've got Maryland this week. I mean, I, I think that that has the potential to be a decent game, Bubba.
1: Yeah, Rhett, <clears throat> Rhett Lashley, obviously no stranger to SMU. He had been there. Uh, on Coach Dyke's staff, and then uh, moved on to another opportunity, and now it's back as the head man. And the Mustangs are a three-point dog on the road in College Park. Uh, it'll be interesting to uh, to see how this one plays out. So Maryland coming off a, a dominant effort and a blowout of Charlotte uh, on the road, and uh, they've they've um, really put up a lot of numbers against inferior competition in the first couple weeks so now that they're facing uh, a quality opponent it'll be interesting to see how um how the turps and mustangs you know handle what should be a very competitive game in college park
0: yeah definitely maryland's first true test of the year i mean maryland it seems like they're making progress under Loxley. It's slow progress, but it looks like they are making some progress. So it's going to be interesting to see what Maryland does this year. Uh, I think Maryland and Rutgers are the two teams, in the big 10 who I'm really, I'm, I'm really in- interested to see what they do.
1: No doubt. Um, yeah. Um, you know, coach Lockley or Locksley, they, they, you know, they're at uh, Maryland, definitely a big year for him. And, um, I'll tell you what, Sutton, another game that's very intriguing, much more so than a lot of people would have originally guessed, and, and that is uh, Houston hosting the Kansas Jayhawks. The Jayhawks are 2-0, and o coming off a big overtime win, um, actually that came by 13 points at West Virginia. Houston is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite, but the Cougars um, have had two very competitive games, and they, they won an overtime game at UTSA in their opener, and then lost a close one last week in Lubbock.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go and say that Houston was overrated going into the year, but losing to Texas Tech was not good. It was not good at all. It it just was not, I mean, frankly, I thought Houston looked sloppy. I mean, you look at them, and a lot of people had them as the pick to win the conference, and now they're going and facing a, a Kansas team. And, and, look, I mean, we all know the story behind Kansas football, but they did beat West Virginia last week. I mean, that that was pretty impressive what they did. I mean, granted, I don't think West Virginia is going to do anything this year. I mean, they're certainly not the team we saw 10, 15 years ago. I mean, they certainly lost that stacks of their program. But it's going to be interesting to see that game with uh, Houston Kansas. I could see it going both ways.
1: Sticking within the state of Kansas. I mean, that game is being played down at Houston, but uh, the Kansas State Wildcats will be hosting the Tulane Green Wave in Manhattan. K State's a 14 point favorite. Um, Tulane has handled its business, um, you know, taking care of UMass and also uh, Alcorn State. They're in New Orleans and now they're going on the road. And, you know, I really, I really think that they could win this game. Uh, I, I would definitely uh, I would lean toward taking them in the the fourteen um with, with very little hesitation.
0: I don't know about I really Kansas State under uh Chris Kielman Kleiman, he uh he's doing a pretty good job with that program. They're always a tough greedy team. I mean they pull upsets. I mean, as much as I don't wanna say this, I, I don't I don't think this is gonna be a close game. I think that Kansas State is gonna win on off three phases and it's gonna be a double digit win.
1: Any other games with? Um, those are the the main ones within the league that really that really stand out. And um, anything else that you're keeping an eye on nationally or or regionally for that matter this weekend?
0: I mean, really, it's a it's a slow week, I think, across college football. You don't have a bunch of marquee games. I mean, this is no offense to App State. I mean, who they're hosting game day on Saturday, which that's incredible for them. But I mean, it just shows you, I mean, it's kind of a slow week in college football. So it's, it's kind of, I think this week is going to be the week where we see, okay, who's legit, who's overrated, who could come in late in the year, going to be one of those types of weeks. And I think for ECU and Campbell, that that is going to show some stuff about ECU, because if you look at the last few times the Pirates have played CS opponents, aside from Gardner Webb, they have been close games.
1: They really have been um, and you, know, you you mentioned Gardner Webb, um, the bulldogs put a scare into coastal Carolina a week ago. I think that was something like thirty one twenty seven or thirty four thirty one, but that is a score that really stood out on a day that the Sun Belt conference was. Uh, really garnering a lot of attention nationally with what App State did, knocking off Texas A&M at Kyle Field, and then also Marshall taking down Notre Dame, and, of course, uh, Georgia Southern winning that Thriller. I think it was, what, 45-42 in Lincoln, Nebraska, and getting Scott Frost fired.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that's a shame for Scott Frost because you never want to see somebody at their alma mater be let go. I mean, I was – I was hoping that he would be able to turn it around, but it's just it just seems like there's too much of a problem there. And I was actually, uh, our family friends, we uh, they had somebody over. He was a Georgia Southern grad, and he was just flipping out. I mean, obviously, Nebraska is not the team they were 20 years ago, but it's still one of the big brands of college football. And, I mean, a change had to be made. It, a change had to be made, and I'll tell you this now before we go into Campbell. If I had to predict right now who the head coach of Nebraska will be, it's going to be Matt Rule, because I don't think Matt Rule is going to survive this year in Carolina. And if Matt Rule gets fired midway through the year in Carolina, I think that's going to be the guy for Nebraska.
1: Yeah, if I'm a Nebraska fan, uh, I would certainly be okay with that, with um, Coach Rule's track record in the college ranks, everything he did at Temple, a very hard place to win, and then um, took over a very challenging situation, to say the least, in Waco with Baylor, Uh, and, you know, within a couple years, had them back, you know, winning double-digit games like Art Browse had done. So uh, he's definitely going to be on that list for sure, and, uh, you know, should things not go well in Carolina this year, which, you know, I'd say that's a fairly strong possibility. Uh, I would not be surprised to see Matt Rule at least getting interviewed and be on that short list there in Lincoln.
0: No doubt. I mean, if I am the athletic director there, I think Trev Alberts is the AD there. That, that is, That's my first phone call. I mean, Luke Fickle would be another guy. Matt Campbell, those would be the three that I would go for. Because whenever you fire a head coach, you have to think, okay, we're firing, we're firing our head coach. We're bringing in somebody who is better. You don't want to get a guy who you're like, I don't know. I mean, you have to be confident with that decision that you're going to be able to get a guy who is going to be better than what you had. And those three guys, I think, could easily be upgrades.
1: No doubt. So let's shift gears and you know, wrap things up by talking about the Pirates in this matchup with Campbell. Obviously, the Camels restarted their program back in 2006 after – You know, dropping it way back in 1950. Um, These programs have not met since 1939, so this is the first matchup in the modern era. And as you take a look at it, and Campbell's one and one, uh, they defeated the Citadel 29 to 10 on opening weekend on that Thursday night, and then last weekend they went up to play what is a top 20 William and Mary team in the FCS ranks, Um, and. William Mary was coming off a 17-point win uh, down at Charlotte against the 49ers, um, defeating Charlotte 41-24. to 24. Uh, So that was a stout test uh, for Mike Minter's ball club. And even though they lost 37-21, to 21, uh, he was very pleased overall with how the Camels handled that. And I think as you take a look, one of the things that stands out about the matchup is um, their quarterback, Malik Williams, a season – vet uh, he's a dual threat guy and he's a guy that Mike Houston uh, has talked about a lot this week and really you know emphasized um, to his players and you know, just how critically important it will be to to get some pressure on him to be disciplined and so forth and it'll be a good preparation for the Pirates and you know as they'll be facing the likes of a John Rice Plumley in league play, um, the new quarterback for UCF that transferred over from Ole Miss.
0: No doubt about it. Uh, Bubba, do you have a a score prediction for Campbell? It's certainly one of those games where, at least in my opinion, I think it's either going to be a blowout for ECU and it's going to be quick, or they could possibly provide a scare away. Things is going to happen,
1: man. Uh, (laughs) Honestly, I had not thought much about a specific score. Um, I will say something like, I'll say um, Pirates. Let's go. East Carolina, 52. Campbell, 13.
0: Yeah, it's similar to what I'm thinking. I'll give you one right off the spot. Numbers come to mind is 53. I think the Pirates score 53 on Saturday. Campbell, yeah, I could see 13. I think that they'll uh, get a touchdown and knock in two field goals. 53 13 is my final. It's going to be an interesting game. Hopefully, the Pirates will be able to uh, sail past this offensive this I mean, they have not been able to. And many recent contests, I mean, William Mary also included in that. But uh, I think with the depth this team has, I, I don't see it being an issue. Well, any final thoughts?
1: Yeah. Um, what I would say just going into this game, obviously, it's a game that the Pirates are definitely expected win um you know some places don't even have a line when it's an fcs game other others have the pirates you know 28 to 30 point favorite uh, something along those lines if we come out and handle our business then that should be the case uh, as was reflected you know there with our score predictions but i will say when there's some of those things that we saw struggles with against old dominion uh, like the some of our zone coverages and then also um running the football early in the game. Um, keep an eye on that. Um, William and Mary, they had two guys go for nearly 100 yards. Um, one ran for 95, the other for 89. So don't be surprised if Keaton in that ground attack, uh, maybe Keaton and Rajay can both get over 100 yards. That would not shock me, um, you know, unless it's just a matter of them trying to take that away so much that that we're, that we're throwing the ball. But I think this is a game where maybe even if Campbell, uh, Campbell does stack the box a bit and try to make the Pirates put it in the air, that uh, you, may, you may see us commit to running the ball a little bit more than we would have against NC State. So um, that's something to watch. And then uh, also let's see how that PAT field goal team does. Um, and hopefully they're going to get a lot of opportunities. Um, six, seven, eight PATs this weekend. Uh, let's let's hope that uh, we take care of business. And then lastly, in the stands, the Pirates had a record crowd, fifty one seven eleven NC State last week. Not bad, but uh, hopefully this week we'll see an increase. After having just shy thirty seven thousand a week ago, Pirates averaging 44,282. Um, about 170 more than UCF thus far. Both teams have seven home games, and both teams have very appealing home schedules. And in addition to quality football teams, so uh, the challenge is there, Pirate Nation. Not only not only um, can the Pirates win the win the conference crown on the field, possibly uh, let's average the most of any team in the American, and uh, let's show this league as well as the nation uh, what Pirate Nation is about
0: absolutely love to hear that Bubba Bubba thank you for joining me and thank you for watching stay on Donner as always and have a great night and uh, come on out to the Ficklin on Saturday we'll see you there